Let's talk some baseball. We are here on the High Hopes Podcast Spring Training. Well, pitchers and catchers underway, and I am lucky enough to be joined by a Philadelphia radio icon and a great baseball man himself. Glenn, is there a better term in the English language than pitchers and catchers? <laughs> no, I love the whole thing. I love the whole Grapefruit League and Cactus League and all of the stuff that you know, coaches hitting fungos. I love all that. stuff. guys doing calisthenics. It's the best. It is, and it's, it feels weird this year because if you if you've seen anything going on in spring training this year, Gabe Kapler is running a very odd and interesting spring training that I can only imagine is making Charlie Manuel's eyes roll. You mean sleep as late as you want and then come in? Yeah, Things like that, and take an off day whenever you want, and and all that. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure how I feel yet because I don't want to draw too early an opinion on on Kapler. Uh, and part of it is because I was wrong about Charlie when they hired Charlie. I initially thought Charlie was kind of a buffoon who wouldn't be able to manage in the National League, and Charlie won a world title. And, hey, when somebody told me that the Eagles were going to hire Doug Peterson, I laughed aloud on the air and look at what he has done. So I don't want to form... A quick judgment, but man, Jackie's got you raising your eyebrows, right? Yeah, and it's weird because I don't want to jump to conclusions as well because I was the same with you with Charlie Manuel. Now I was like in fifth grade when they hired Charlie Manuel, but I (laughs) (laughs) but I remember I remember arguing so hard with my granddad because he liked Charlie and I didn't like him, and I was like, he has no shot to ever win the World Series here. And then and then my granddad ended up being right, which he didn't let me down. Uh, so and then, then with Doug Peterson, I felt the same kind of way, but now Doug kind of has the same Charlie Manuel ish vibe. Now, I mostly like Gabe Kapler, but I, I, I am really worried I'm still burned from Chip Kelly and I'm kinda getting the same vibe from Gabe. Yeah, I get that, right? Um, but I'm getting maybe a little bit of a different vibe, which is this. Um, I realized they did not hire Gabe Kapler to talk to people like me, right? Gabe Kapler's job is not to communicate. Oh, I guess it's part of his job. But his his primary focus is not to communicate with old fart radio guys and newspaper columnists. He's supposed to get through to a bunch of kids who are 22 to 25 years old and inspire them to play well and work with them um, to make them better. Chip Kelly came in, and what we didn't know about Chip Kelly at the beginning and learned is Chip Kelly couldn't communicate with anybody. Chip Kelly couldn't talk to his players. He couldn't talk to the people in the organization. He couldn't talk to other people in the league. So that's where I'll draw a difference. If you want to say that, like Chip Kelly, he's this new wave guy, I will agree with you on that, but I'm I'm thinking and hoping that his strength is going to be that these kids are going to really want to play for him. Yeah, I agree. And and the the fact that this is a young team and not a, a, a he's not walking into a, a an older veteran clubhouse, I think definitely yeah. he help. he couldn't manage the the 2011 Phils. He could not take that team. No, it's it's a, it's good that he's starting young and it feels fresh. And I will say this, it, it, it to you does it feel like there's a breath of fresh air around this team? Cuz it feels that way for me. Yeah, and they needed it, right? So we had that great run whatever 5 6 years and then we had the decline and then we had the the guys coming in for a year, that whole you know group of guys, one year free agents, most of whom stunk, a couple of whom were okay, 
And now you've got all these guys coming up through the farm system at the same time, and to a degree, it reminds me of the early 2000s when Utley, well, Rollins arrived first, and then Utley, and then Hamels, and then Howard, and all these guys kind of came up. We're, we don't know that it's that yet, but that's what we're hoping. Yeah, and it feels like they have, uh, it just feels like they have so many guys. They have so many quality baseball players, but they might not have the star. Like, I think Reese Hoskins is a star. I think he's going to mm-hmm. develop into a star. I think Kingery's going to be a star. Uh, I think J.B. Crawford's going to be a very nice player. The outfield's definitely an interesting spot because you have Altair, Nick Williams. They have four outfielders, really, with the, the signing of Carlos Santana. It feels like they're, they're waiting to make a trade. They have almost too many guys. They have, they have Scott Kingery knock on the door for Cesar Hernandez. And it kind of it, it, it feels like they wanted to go into this offseason and trade for a controllable starter, and that market just never really developed for them. Yeah, which surprises me in a couple of regards. Um depending on who you want to trade, which to me would either be Nick Williams or, or Altier, you'd probably get more for Nick Williams. Agreed. I, I don't know what calls the general manager is fielding, right? I don't know what offers Clintag has made or rejected, but I would have thought he could have gotten something, you know, a, a three-starter for Nick Williams. Um, and the other one that you mentioned is Hernandez, which is an interesting case. And part of me is thinking this, that they're kind of hedging their bet with Hernandez keeping him around as we're waiting for Kingry to come up because they don't know what's going to happen with Franco. So if Franco comes back and has a career and they keep Franco, they can trade Hernandez by Kingry at second. If Franco is as bad this year as he was last year, and I guess the year before, then what you do is you play Kingry at third and you get rid of Franco. Because you mentioned with Hernandez, you got those controllable years. Um, the guy gets on base a lot. He's a good fielder. There's nothing not to like about the guy. Two years ago, he had all those bonehead plays. He didn't have them last year. So I'm, I'm assuming they could have gotten something good for him, um, certainly better than what they got for Galvis because of where he is. Um, and that they didn't take it tells me that maybe they're hanging on and hedging the bet. Yeah, and you mentioned Franco there. And as we know every year, someone comes into camp in the best shape of their life and if I had to bet, if I had to bet, those stories are going to be about Mike Alfranco this year. Yeah, usually it's a guy on the other side of thirty, right? Who's just trying to hang on. Not but... your twenty-five-year-old cornerstone short third baseman. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, who thought a couple of years ago that we would hear that? Because best stage of your life usually means you're one step from getting tossed out. So who thought we would have heard that about him? He is such a critical guy. I mean, if he if he can come back and hit. I mean, I'm not even going to set the bar too high. Hit 270 this year, um, 25 home runs, 85 RBIs, play a decent defense, right? That's, that's not all-star caliber. If he can do that and the other kids start to produce, this team really, I may be jumping your questions, but this team really could be a, a wild-card contender. Yeah, but with Franco, even if he does that, that's not even enough for me to, to warrant not going after a Manny Machado. Like for me, it's almost like Franco has to has to slam me in the face and say, "You're not moving me for anything, and you're not you're not bringing in a guy to take my position or trade me away." Like I almost need 35 homers and 270 to not go after Machado, or in a year later go after Nolan Arenado, because then if you bring in Machado, then you're move. You can say, "Hey, you want to play shortstop? Fine." Then just move Crawford over to third or Kingery over to third or whatever you can do there. It's almost like Franco has to slap me in the face and say. You're not moving me for anything. Do you kind of feel the same way? Well, I was talking about this year. You're talking about the future. Yeah, the future is um, 
I'm not married to Franco long term, and I would you know, listen. There's that whole we've been hearing this for the last three years. There's that whole group of 2019 free agents, Bryce Harper, Machado, um, all of whom are attractive to me. Any of whom I would take. Machado is the one guy that we keep talking about more than any. But I mean, you know, man, the, the Yankees are going to go after Machado. The Reds, well, I don't know about the Red Sox, but the Yankees will. Other teams will. Um, big money teams, the Dodgers, the Cubs. So it's not a given that the Phillies are going to get him. Am I interested? You bet. I'm interested in all those guys. And we keep hearing from Middleton that when the money, when it's time uh, to spend the money, they'll do it. So I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I'm looking at Franco more for what they can do this year. Yeah, and obviously Franco's a major key to that. Uh, and, and even if you want to talk about some of these these free agent starters out there, uh, I know you're 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 all aboard the the sign Alex Cobb and and uh, Lance Lynn train, which to an extent I am as well. Uh, do you see? Like I don't know. It I I just don't think they're gonna it, the way that I'm viewing Clentac and everything he's done this off season. It feels like they're gonna walk into camp with like Chris Tillman. They're going to sign him a couple days before camp, and this is going to be your fifth starter that can hopefully eat innings. But I'm I I I'm starting to to move in into your in your area and go after one of those guys, or even shoot for the stars and go for Jake Arrieta. Yeah, and I know they talk to Arrieta's people. I think Arrieta. See, here this is what I think is the bottom line with him. I think they still think they're a year away from contending, and. You know, while you and I look at Hoskins and Crawford and all the Kingry and all the other young kids and say, hey, this guy, you know, uh, Hoskins could hit 35 home runs this year and Crawford could play a really good defense and get on bail, they're probably smarter and know they're not going to all develop. So they see themselves a year away. So they want to figure out from the Ikov, Velasquez, Pavetta, Lively, who am I leaving, Eflin, Jake Thompson, and all those, who's worth it and who's not, and want to give them their shot. I think the rest of the division, other than Washington, got bad this offseason. And coming in second doesn't get you anything unless you get the wild card. But I honestly think if they were to go out and get some pitching, um, it's not ridiculous to think that they could make a run for a wild card. So, you know... Hey, we've been spoiled with the Super Bowl. Why, why do I need to wait three years for them to contend in, in uh, baseball? And that's a weird thing. Like, if you go out and you get Carlos Santana and you sign Tommy Hunter and you're showing interest in Tony Watson and you bring back Pat Neshek, it's like you 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 think you're and the way they've talked this whole spring training, they think yeah. that they have a chance to compete this year. It's not it's not Pete McCannon coming in saying, "Hey, well, hopefully we go 500 this year." They're like, "No, I think we can actually do something." And if you see what the Eagles, like if you, if you're one of the other teams in Philadelphia and you see what the Eagles just did in losing their franchise quarterback, franchise left tackle, franchise linebacker, best special teams player, what excuse do you have? And it's just like I feel like they're one starter away from this thing being serious. And if we want to talk about the free agent class next year, you're not going to walk up to Bryce Harper off of a 75-win season and be like, hey, come here. Or Manny Machado, hey, we won 75 mm-hmm. games. You need to have something in place that is tangible that these guys will want to come here. And by signing an Arietta, even if it's three years, $90 million, they're like, wow, they have Arietta Noel at the top of their lineup or at the top of their rotation. We'll see what Velasquez can be. Uh, they have Hoskins, a young emerging star. They have Carlos Santana, a, a real bat. It's almost like you need Arietta or Lynn or Cobb for the optics in a way. 
Yeah, well, that's a good point. Absolutely, because if if they do finish this year at seventy two and ninety, it's going to be hard to tell any big time free agent that you're a contender. You you got to show that this year you can do something. And listen, I think when you improve at the top of the rotation, it improves everybody. That it, the whole team is, is going to get better. They help the bullpen, as you said, with Hunter and, and bringing back Nishak. That's great. Um, we'll see. If, but, we'll see if Nishak pitches two days in a row this year. Yeah. Well, you know. Let's, it's 2018, guys. Relievers get $6 million to pitch 60 innings. It's still, that part always baffles me, but they do. But I'll, I'll ask you, um, do you think, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the Velazquez, Pavetta, Lively, Jake Thompson, uh, maybe Ikov comes back. I kind of think he can do better. But do you have faith that two of those guys are going to show you something? Um, I, I've always been a, uh, an Ikov truther. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna bounce back. I think he lost a lot of velocity last year, and I think that had to do with his his arm problems that he was having. He seems healthy now, uh, and that mm-hmm. curve that curveball is a legit weapon. And as he as he uses to use, or learns to use that more and more, I, I'm pretty bullish on Eikhoff having a nice bounce back seasons. Uh, Velasquez definitely worried about just because he doesn't have a good secondary pitch. He he can get ahead with his fastball, but he has he has zero capabilities to pitch backwards and actually learn how to become a starting pitcher rather than a guy that can just right. throw 98. And, and can't stay healthy, which means, I mean, since since the first time I saw him, and by the way, the first game I ever saw him is the one where he struck out 16 guys. It was amazing, but right. I always thought sooner or later this guy's going to be a reliever. Yeah, and a lot of people have that same sentiment. I, I am interested to see how him and Kapler work together. They seem like they're they're, they're really buddy buddy. So I'm interested interested to see what happens there. I honestly I honestly think that I would sign one of those pitchers just so I don't have to watch Ben Lively or <laughs> or or Mark Leiter yeah. Jr. Or, or yeah. it's just like please for my eyes like they're fine. You know, stick Mark Leiter Jr. and make him be like the Kyle Kendrick, first guy out of the pen, long man. Right, just, right. Just, He'll get some innings. Yes. Just please and God. Always, and for whatever reason, you brought up Kendrick. Kendrick, it yeah. always seemed to me for years that the one out of five games I would always go to was always the game that Kyle Kendrick started. I'm so sorry. This is when they, you know, had Hamels and Halliday and, and Oswald, all those guys. And I would go and say, yeah, I'm going on Sunday. And it's like, oh, good. Then it's Kyle Kendrick. Yeah, I think I got stuck time. with Blanton. I was always a Blanton guy. <laughs> Plumber Joe. But yeah, yeah I, so mean, I don't want I don't want it to be Nick Pavetta Day every time I go to the ball game. Yeah, I mean I think Pavetta's one of the guys that I kinda liked a little bit last year. Just like he throws ninety six and he has a legit sl- hard slider. I think he could develop into a, a solid bullpen guy, but he's another one like Velasquez where it's you're getting five innings and that's it. And then you gotta rely right, on your it, bullpen. They fall apart. Yep. Yeah, yep, so second, third time around the lineup, they're done. They're toast. But do you do you do you see any bounce back from Velasquez? Or are you are you pretty much just he's, he's going to be a closer? I, I don't know. Well, I think eventually he's a closer. I understand why they want to continue to try to make him a starter because he's more valuable if you can get 180 out of innings out of him as opposed to 70. So last year when they weren't contending, well, last year he's hurt. But you know, you'd give it a shot. I'd probably give it one more shot as a starter. With him, um, and if that doesn't work, you, you got to put him into the bullpen. If let me put it this way: if by the end of May he still getting, uh, you know, can't can't get past the fifth inning, that's when I make the move, and I'll, I don't care about middle of the season. I'll put him in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, you don't really have anything to lose at this point. You know, just right. if he can develop into a top flight uh, rotation guy, then it's only it's only helping you. 
uh, heading into the off season. But like stuff is so good. It, it is, but at the same time, he can't throw a curveball for a strike. No, I know his his one pitch is so good. That right, that's it. Yeah, one he, pitch. And you look at his mechanics, and like they're they're really solid. They remind me of. They remind me of like Pryor's mechanics. Like they, they, they you you pick it off of a, a screen, but like that's what you want your mechanics to look like. But then he also can't form a change up out of that. It's he's a he's a really weird case, and I want him to learn yeah. a splitter more than anything in the world. Yeah, and he pitches dumb. I mean, he you know, there's times where you just want to pitch to contact, and he's still he's he's thrown eighty pitches in four innings, and he's still trying to throw you know high heat just just take the ground ball when you got a man out first and get out of the inning now the one guy that does know how to pitch is, is Aaron Nola and I don't know Glenn I I really think he's going to finish I think he's going to be an all-star this year and I mm-hmm. think I think he's going to finish maybe top six in the NL and ERA I'm very bullish on on Aaron Nola he had a really strong second half of the year once he came back from injury I like Aaron Nolan. I think he's being underrated in a lot of uh, uh, preview episodes that I, I see in the in, on MLB websites uh, going around the league. Aaron Nola is going to be one of the best pitchers in the NL this year. I firmly believe that. Yeah, I do too. And the way he finished last year, I think he had 10 really good starts in a row at the end of the year, all six innings and more, all two earned runs or less. He's smart. You know, I talk about guys who pitch smart and not. He really pitches smart. He pitches quick, which the guys around him love. He's 24 years old. Um, I, I, you know, I, I can't project his health, but I think hopefully he's over that stuff in the past. If he stays healthy with his stuff and his, well, I mean, it's not that his stuff is so good. It's that he pitches smart and uses his stuff well. I, I agree. This, this guy is capable of getting some Cy Young votes. Some Cy Young votes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And then if you, here's the thing, and we're going to talk about the outlook of the season here in a second. If you add an Arietta to that, or you add a Lance Lynn or or an Alex Cobb, then you have a legit starting rotation to go with a lineup. Glenn, I think the lineup's going to be uh, much improved from last year. It's it's deeper. It has more ability to get on base. Hopefully, you can get consistency out of Abdul Herrera, and then he can be a legit table setter at a 26 year old. He's a he was an all star two years ago, which people forget about. I feel like uh, it feels like the lineup is is set to be a you know maybe a top 10 ish in the NL lineup. You need that one more starter for this thing to get legit, and I, I, I that's that's kind of where I'm at with this team. I don't know what they're going to be unless they get a legit starter in here. I agree. Yeah, I mean, we brought up the names before, but you can't count on all those pitchers to do well. Uh, you know, if Jake Thompson emerges as a guy worth putting in your rotation, I will be pleasantly surprised. I don't believe in a lot of those guys. or I, have, I shouldn't say I don't believe. I haven't been proven. It hasn't been shown that those guys can play. Alex Cobb, Lance Lynn, great. I mean, Ariad is great. It is shooting for the moon, but I, I, I'm certainly not going to oppose it. Those other guys... You know, the market's kind of dry. Uh, nobody's, it's, it's the end of February or the middle of February, and nobody has made a bid on those guys. All those unsigned free agents, and there are like a hundred of them, have to play somewhere this year. The Phillies, to me, would be wise to now go in and grab up their share. Yeah, it feels like with Arietta, he kind of seems like a guy that would sit out until midseason, and then a contender would be like, all right, we'll give you whatever you need to help us win this win this championship and you know he'll be ready because he's one of those workout freaks and mm-hmm. obvi- obviously the, the 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 drawback to signing one of those guys is is you have to give up a third round pick because they already gave up a second round pick for uh signing carlos santana are you worried about that at all do you not care no. about the draft picks no no i mean you know 
first round picks, yes. Second round picks, eh. third round picks, no. You, you're getting a proven quality player. Um, neither Cobb nor Lynn is—they're is, not 35 years old. They're guys who you can keep around for years to come. They're guys who can really produce for you. I, I would have not a second thought about giving up that draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I I love the like I'm one of those weirdos that loves the MLB draft, so I get I get married to these prospects. <laughs> you watch the MLB draft? Oh really? yeah, I get all in. Oof. It just say you know wow. I don't know. I like to I'm trying to find my niche here in this in this world mm-hmm. of of media, and I think uh, the MLB draft might be my my way in. Just kidding, but um, <laughs> with Cobb, I feel weird about just because he seems like a guy that consistently gets hurt. And I don't know if I can trust him with big money. Lance Lynn, just if you look at Lance Lynn, tell me you're not seeing that guy pitching in October in the cold. <laughs> like he just seems like a guy that can eat innings late into October because he's just a little bit overweight and he's got that big beard. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so I kind of like Lance Lynn a little bit more than, than Alex Cobb. And Arietta, well, you do well, like. Let me just say this about Cobb had 29 starts last year. I know he was hurt the year before. Did he have. Um... We have Tommy John back in 2015. Yeah. I know he was out for like a year and a half, so I'm assuming it was Tommy John. But other than that, he's always had 25, 28 starts a year. So I'm I'm less worried about you. There's so many guys that come back from that that, you know, I'm I'm not that worried. But, yeah, Lynn is a guy. I always like pitchers who come from St. Louis. I think St. Yeah. Louis is probably the best team in baseball at developing players and this guy's got a pedigree from there um and he had a good year last year he he pitched really well he did he did and i'm glad they didn't sign like an andrew cashner who i think is terrible but his but his era was was lower so so we're 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 at the start of of pitchers and catchers you know the full team will will come in next week very exciting time and honestly i'm more excited this is probably the most excited i've been about a philly season since probably 11 since 2011 Mm -hmm. just because of of Kapler. I don't know what I'm going to get out of Gabe Kapler, but I'm sure as heck interested to find out how he's going to manage, how that how he's going to manage pitching, if they're going to change how they play uh, analytic-wise. I'm just glad that, you know, Pete McCann... Oh, they're definitely going to do that. No, I, definitely. I... Yeah. Uh, let me just tell you this. Yeah. Everybody who loves Sam Hinkie is going to love Gabe Kapler. Well... As you can, as you know, I was a big Sam Hinkie guy, so I'm also in on Gabe Kapler. Uh, I'm just honestly, I'm more analytics with baseball than I am with bat. I think it makes. I, I'm not opposed to analytics in basketball, although I think sometimes it can. You guys go nuts, but I think in baseball it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but you're going to get all of that language after every game, and and guys like you are just going to drool over this stuff. You're probably right. I need him talking about FIP. And honestly, oh yeah, I, I, all that. I saw an article. War and VORP and all that. BABIP, all that stuff is going to be part of this conversation. I saw an article today of talking about uh, pitch framing and how they brought in a guy from Yale just to specifically ta- teach these catchers <laughs> about pitch framing. And Glenn, I am not lying to you. I got so excited because it's it's the sign of a progressive organization Glenn and I'm so sick I was so sick and tired of the Amaro regime being so far behind the times that bringing yeah. in a guy specific for just pitch framing got oh, me real yeah. yeah because listen I've watched the Washington Nationals for uh-huh. too long get so many strikes called because of Jose Lobaton and Wilson Ramos that I just can't take it anymore and honestly if it <laughs> 
I can't watch Cam Rupp play catcher anymore, and he is probably the worst no, the worst I'm, pitch framer I've ever seen yeah, in my I'm life. Yeah, I'm kind of done with I'm kind of done with his era. Um, and I, I mean, Alfaro needs a lot of work in that regard. So if they brought in a guy who can teach Alfaro how to do it, that's that's great. I don't think I'm quite as excited as the pitch frame coach from Yale as you. I'm not quite as excited when Gabe Kapler came out the other day and talked about strengths in the organization. And one of the first things he mentioned was the chef. I don't get quite as, as giddy as you guys, but I get it. Uh, you know, I'm not opposed to it. Well, like I've studied, I've studied the, the rebuilds of the Cubs and the Astros pretty closely because I want to see, mm-hmm. I want to see how the Phillies are, are doing compared to that, to them. And, They've brought in people from those organizations. They've, they, they've, they're in a really healthy spot. I think overall, you know, from the minor leagues, they're they're learning how to develop these guys. They're they're learning. They actually, it actually feels like they have a plan for their entire organization. Opening up the 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 facility in the Dominican, I think, was really smart. Getting yeah, that was w- way late, but still, obviously, a great idea. Right, should it, have been done fifteen years ago, but yeah, they. I tell you what, that that World Series saved them from a lot of a lot of flack because they they set this organization back maybe ten years. But I think now we we've moved on from that era. Everything's starting to come together, and it, it feels like we're we're entering into a, a really positive age of Phillies baseball. I I once they get to the top of the or make the playoffs and hopefully win a World Series. I don't think it's going to be as as close of a window as we had with the the 2008 to 2011 squad. Like once they get there, I think they're going to stay there for a long time because of their the resources they have and the resources they put in place. Do you kind of get the same sense, or are you still a little hesitant? I don't know. That was a good run, man. It was a great. I mean, run. think about that. That team won the national the East what five years in a row. Yeah. I uh, went to two World Series, but then it just um, shut. It just the window just shut, and it was all yeah, sudden well, over. They, yeah, they, it shut because Amaro tried to squeeze that one last year. Um, I don't really be well. I, I, it was the wrong thing to do, and we kind of all knew it at the time. But I understand why he just thought maybe everybody can have that one last year, and then of course everybody got old at the same time and got bad at the same time. Although I'll give you this to Amaro's credit, man. The last deal he made, which I believe was the Hamels deal, uh-huh. got Nick Williams, got Alfaro, got Eikhoff, got Jake, Jake Thompson. Thompson. Uh, I think there was one other guy that done the match. It's like Harold or Ruse or something. Yeah, and they and they took the salary dump on uh, what's his that injured pitcher from Texas. Yeah, yeah. But you know, listen, Hamels. It was a great deal for both sides because Hamels has been great for Texas. But if the Phillies end up with Nick Williams, Alfaro, and Ikov, and anything from Jake Thompson's a bonus, that wasn't a bad way to leave. It definitely wasn't. No, and he, he did some good things in his final year. He finally moved on from Utley, uh, moved on from Rollins, and and he did he did moves that he probably should have done maybe a year or two before. Right. But I waited a little too long on a lot on, on Rollins and Utley and guys like that. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, letting go of Utley was was the hardest thing in my life in my in my young life because. <laughs> Listen, Glenn, I, I love Chase Utley. So let me ask you a question. Sure. All-time, all-time most popular uh, former athlete in, you know, like beloved former athlete in Philadelphia, because to me it comes to, and I'm just talking for like the last 30, 35 years, right? I'm not going Chuck Bednarik prehistoric. Please don't. Is it Utley or is it Dawkins? You have to choose one. Uh, 
Well, I yeah, it's either I think it's Utley, Dawkins, Iverson. If I had to put them all three okay. on there, I don't put Iverson quite there because there are a lot of people who didn't like Iverson. Interesting. Everybody loved Utley. Everybody loved Dawkins. A lot of people loved Iverson. Some people did not. But you you put Utley over Dawkins? Yeah, I would. I go the other way on that. Yeah, that's no, cool. that's yeah, and obviously Dawkins is the best. But just as a young as a young player, you know, I grew mm-hmm. up playing baseball while also watching Chase Utley. And, oh yeah, then there were twenty six on your back there. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah, and I still get emotional thinking about Chase Utley. Tight little, tight little swing, right? oh. trying to imitate him with that little compact swing. Chase Utley, you are the man. You know that that whole thing. Uh, <laughs> sure. He, he was just to throw to third and throw home. Yeah, sure. He just did everything, and the World Series in two thousand nine, where he he, he slayed yeah. CC. Um, yeah. yeah, Chase Utley for me is just a guy that he he's just like the the peak male in my opinion. Just like the, 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 the most male you could possibly be taking out Juan Lagares. I got in so many so many arguments about him breaking Juan Lagares' leg that it's it's just, it's tenfold. Uh Chase it's baseball, Utley. baby. Yeah, it's it was just play. it was just baseball. And like yeah, people sure. people didn't get that. These stupid millennials. Yeah, plus it was the Mets, so it was good. These stupid millennials don't understand about uh, about how real hard nosed baseball is. That's right. That's, I can't even run over the catcher anymore, for God's sake. You know sake. what? That is the worst rule in all sports. Posey rule. Ridiculous. I hate the Posey rule. I will always yeah. hate the Posey rule. It is the worst rule in all sports. But It may trump how if you fumble a football into the end zone, it automatically becomes the other team's possession and at the 25 yard That's line. the dumbest rule. Yes, that is the dumbest rule. Yes, I've agreed on that. You should get it. It should be a 10-yard penalty or something. Yeah, it should. You shouldn't lose the other team shouldn't get the ball. I agree. So before I get let you out of here, well, well, two things. What is your your outlook on the season? Do you think they have a shot to to make a little run here and make our summer? Give us something to talk about this summer, Glenn. Yeah, I think we'll have something to talk about. I think they'll hang around. I still don't believe in the in the starting pitching. I believe in the kids in the lineup. Uh, I think their bullpen is is deep enough that they'll figure that out. They'll get guys for different roles, but I. I just worry after Nola and maybe Ikov, I don't see how the rest of that rotation plays out. So between now and the start of the season, I mean, they need to add one or two real real pitchers, guys who can help the rotation. If they do that, I think they can be in the run for a wild card. Agreed. And when it's a nice summer day, Glenn, give me, give me five, five of your favorite beers to watch a ball game with. Oh, now you're in my wheelhouse. Yes. All right. So um, I will leave out for conflict of interest all of the fine quality beers by the Conchahokan Brewing Company in which I am a partner, but I would tell people that you should try all of them, and they certainly are IPAs. I mean, I do, nice summer day. I do love your beers, Glenn. I appreciate that, and you've said that, and I appreciate that. But I'll leave out the Conchahokan Brewing Company beers for now. So I'll, I'll stay local, though, and tell you um, I love the Victory Prima Pills is a, is a great beer. Okay. Uh, let's take something by Yards, either the Pale... You know what? I'll take the Yards Brawler. I like the Yards Brawler. It's a, it's On a, a nice hot beer. summer day, you're bringing out yeah, a Brawler? Yeah, maybe more for a night game. It's more of a night game. Okay. All right, Pale Ale for a summer day, Brawler for a night game. Um, I like the uh, Stout's Golden Lager, I think is a really nice beer. Um, Trogue's Nugget Nectar, oh. I'll put in there. And I'll take one that's not local, um, but it's my favorite not local beer. And and actually, our brewery won a bet with them over the Super Bowl, and uh, they had to make a five hundred donation, five hundred dollar donation to charity. So I'll give them a, a shout out. 
Lord Hobo Brewing Company in Woburn, Massachusetts, makes a IPA called Steal This Can, which is one of my favorites. I know they all they now sell down here. You can get them in PA. They just moved down here, uh, and they're good guys. So I'll give them the fifth and final shout out. Now I got to recommend something for you. Um, yeah, it, I just saw it in Westchester. I was I was picking up beer last weekend, and there's a brand new. It's called a 394 ale. And it is it is from a San Diego inspired uh, brewery that they made a 394 ale after Tony Gwynn's famous season <laughs> where he batted 394. It's a really clean, crisp, hoppy beer, and that he helps co-create. If you see I that out that. there, I think I think you'd really is enjoy. Is it Lagunitas? It. Who makes that? No, it's like Ale Smith. Okay. I think it's I'll find and, and you found it in Pennsylvania. I did. It was over in Westchester. So all right, nice. I th- okay, I th- I'll look for that. I definitely think you enjoy it. But Glenn, uh, thank you for joining me on, on on High Hopes that we also do with James Seltzer and John Marks. Uh, listen to Glenn every Saturday, Saturday morning and sometimes Sunday mornings uh, with with of course Ray Didinger, another Hall of Famer. Uh, Glenn, thanks for coming on. Hopefully, we can do it again sometime. Hey, it's my pleasure. You'd be great.